I'm excited to announce that on May 25th to 27th, 2020, I'll be one of the leaders at Matt Pichet's More Than Money Retreat. This is going to be held up north in Huntsville, Ontario. Matt Pichet, in case you didn't know, is the fruitful investor. This man is a true inspiration. He went from being $30,000 in debt about five years ago to now a multimillionaire in net worth from his real estate investments. And he achieved all this with really powerful and well-executed marketing on YouTube and social media, along with his serious black belt level mastery in real estate investing, whether it's buying holds, multi-units, flips, rentals, you name it. The guy seriously blows me away. And uh, a quick backstory, Matt's actually one of my clients, and at the outset of our coaching relationship, he was already killing it. It was really about unlocking him and having him really step into his deeper purpose, which is living an empowered and epic life in more ways beyond just succeeding in business and finances. He he actually has some really good Instagram posts sharing a lot of these changes and these insights if you follow him at Matt Pichet. That's M-A-T-P-I-C-H-E. Now you'll see that he takes Mondays off and he calls them more than money Mondays. He built a home spa complete with dry sauna, steam room, totally zen, which I actually got to experience. He takes care of himself at a whole new level, and you can see it in his freaking eyes. He is joyful in more ways than just one. So when he asked me to be a part of his More Than Money retreat, I was a total hell yeah. Guys, I I literally saw Matt go from feeling like a slave to his business, not feeling free, even though that's the very reason most of us become entrepreneurs. And uh, while he was financially doing well, he learned how to really value himself. He realized the type of impact he wanted to make, which is helping people beyond just wealth consciousness, uh, which obviously is, is incredibly important. And he's been sitting with this idea for a long time, and now it's here, the More Than Money Retreat. So guys, the place we got for the experience is incredible. It's a lakeside mansion, lots of open space, close to nature, has a freaking movie theater, pool table, fire pit, docks out to the water. I'll make sure to put a link in the description so that you can check out the the photos for yourself and the information about it as well. I I remember finding this gem and, and sending it to Matt and we just knew this is the place. So it's not a typical real estate investing Uh, business seminar. This is going to be an experience. I'll be guiding you through morning meditations, yoga, a deep transformational process to help conquer your fears and unlock your hidden potential. Matt will be blowing your minds with his marketing sales and wealth wizardry. We have a nutritionist, Brooke Hutch, preparing all your healthy whole foods and teaching us about how to fuel your high-performance lifestyle. It's, it's Guys, it's going to be awesome. And it's already half sold out with six of the 12 spots already taken. So if you resonate with this, join us on May 25th to 27th for the More Than Money Retreat. The remaining spots are going to be gone soon, and uh, I do not want you to miss this. So if you're someone who's a high achiever, already succeeding, yet in other areas of your life, you feel like you're collapsing in your health, relationships, sense of inner peace, fulfillment, and satisfaction. We literally designed this retreat to give you the insights, tools, and aha moments to build a great life that you love. 
the More Than Money Retreat. It's happening May 25th to 27th. I'll make sure to put the link in the description. Hit that link to see more information and how to book your spot. And uh, I hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Oliver Manalise Show. I'm your host, Oliver Manalise. And if you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here with us today. This is a show where we explore the defining moments of purpose-driven leaders. This is the adversity behind the triumph, the breakdowns before the breakthroughs, the moments of truth. And today on the show, we have a very special guest, Dr. Laura Hughes. Dr. Laura Hughes is a life coach, global team leader with doTERRA Essential Oils, and she's the host of the soon-to-be-released Earthling 101 podcast. She's fueled by our planet's beautiful medicines and is obsessed with teaching others how easy it is to be the guru of their own health and happiness. In a past life, Laura traveled the world as a PhD-trained scientist and naturopathic doctor. Now you can find her walking barefoot and beachside in Toronto, Canada, where she fosters the cutest rescue puppies. Her happiest days are spent leading, inspiring, and setting an example of the magic possible when you remember how powerful you are and then rise up to meet your dreams. So Laura is someone who I've been really excited to have on the show since I met her. She is one of those people where when you meet her, you just realize what a wealth of knowledge and so much passion this person has. She's like this purpose-driven entrepreneur who is just supporting people with so much wisdom, so much science, and it's just it's something that I'm really excited about because originally, me and Janet, my fiance, we met Laura over a year ago through doTERRA Essential Oils. And uh, as many of you know, Janet's a wellness advocate for doTERRA essential oils and our house, our pockets, our bags are literally filled with these incredible tools. So anyways, when we met Laura just over a year ago, she's like right away, she started playing an an instrumental role in our growth and and teaching us how to leverage these oils as tools for our well-being. She shares a lot of that information, insight and inspiration on her Instagram, where you can follow her at Dr. Laura Hughes. Seriously, guys, the depth of Laura's knowledge of how to use essential oils is just so powerful for our immune system, for your mood, to balance your hormones, help with digestion. The list goes on and on and on. And her grasp and her ability to teach this stuff is literally next level. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored to share with you my conversation with Dr. Laura Hughes. Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Oliver Manalise Show. I am your host, Oliver Manalise, and it is with pleasure that I have the amazing Dr. Laura Hughes with us here on the show today. Uh, Laura is somebody who's been very monumental in our lives, especially uh, my fiance Janice's life. She's played role of mentor and guide and huge cheerleader. They're both in the doTERRA essential oils business. And uh, we're going to go into a lot of detail about Laura's background and her experience and her story. But um, I just want to give you a little bit of context. We just enjoyed delicious um, brunch together. Uh, had some mimosas. I'm, I'm yeah. good, though. I got I'm the caffeine. Fine. I've had two, but I'm I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> we got the we got the clementine oils diffusing right now. Yep. 
we have like freshly hand ground coffee and hand poured coffee that I just made that we're sipping. And um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, Laura. Thank, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I was saying this is how every Wednesday should be. This is, you know, why we create these lives for ourselves, right? So we can have mimosas and carrot cake on a Wednesday. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I love it. And yeah, you, I, I did overhear you talking about designing your life uh, in a purposeful way and choosing this business for that specific reason mm-hmm. to have that freedom, that enjoyment. Yep. And I think um, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that don't experience that. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's hectic, it's busy, it's challenging to even say I'm worth taking you know, a couple hours of the day just to just to relax or be with friends or even just just connect on a deeper level with people over a nice meal or, or yep. anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I really believe. I'm I'm, tra- I'm learning. This is my journey. <laughs> I go through journeys, but this is my journey of the month. Is just really appreciating moments like this. That you know, not feeling guilt for taking a two hour lunch and understanding I've consciously created that for myself and. Just because the rest of the world hasn't caught up with it yet doesn't mean that it's wrong or, um, yeah, I just, it's just really refreshing. I, I spent most of my life not even being aware that this was an option for a career or for how you could live your adult life. So just savoring, taking time to savor those moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and the connection I think is so yep. important, like those relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, this is the reason why we we do what we do. Um, so for the people who are listening, um, I have a little bit of an intro Okay. and you're going to correct me on some of the stuff because I don't know if I can pronounce some of these, some of these words. So first of all, one of the best things that I love about how you describe yourself on your website is, uh, where spirit meets science. Mm -hmm. Uh, you say, heal yourself, heal the world. Uh, I really am uh, aligned with that. Janet and I are super aligned with that. We do believe that investing in ourselves, healing ourselves is part of how you create and manifest change in the world. Um, A little bit about your background, like your education. Um, I have you down here for naturopathic medicine, Mm -hmm. cancer epidemiology, uh, doctor of philosophy, a master's in epidemiology, a master's in health and nutrition, and a bachelor's in nutrition and nutraceutical science. Yeah. Did I pronounce that all right? You did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is where I'm like, I know I should be proud of all that, but at the same time, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I, I was such a slave to school for so long that I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh. What's yeah. the, uh? Because that sounds like, it must be like 15 years of It was 15, 15 good years of post-secondary. Um, just when I, not that it was mindless decision going from degree to degree, like I, I really believe everything happens for a reason and everything I'm doing now in my life wouldn't be possible without the experiences and what I went through. But, um, at the same time, it just reminds me of a different phase in my consciousness for lack of a better explanation in that I was just an overachiever. I wasn't happy. I was looking for the next thing that I thought would make me happy. And, um, you know, you got your bachelor's next logical step is you get your master's, you get your master's, you do your PhD because you want the accolades and you want to be the best in what you're doing. And I realized that I was doing a lot of it, not for myself, but for, other people and recognition and it just kind of it just I just think of Laura <laughs> Laura 1.0 and it just it makes me kind of it makes me smile and also wince at the same time <laughs> just 
Yeah, yeah. I'm sure a lot of us uh, can relate to that. A lot mm-hmm. of the people who are listening. I know I've looked at um, aspects of who I was in the last decade, and I used to cringe and just be like, wow, I can't believe yeah. I was like that. And then also get to a point where it's just like, well, that helped contribute to who I've become. Yeah. It doesn't take away the cringe, mm-hmm. but it's... <laughs> yeah, and also it, it just comes... Like, I'm working on being more mindful about it. Um, I have a disconnect sometimes with what I've achieved and what I think I've achieved. So when someone lists them all off like that, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm like, I did that? Whoa. You know? And I even, think it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it takes uh, an incredible level of intellect and dedication and focus and sacrifice um, to do that much education and get all the experience. And I saw um, on your LinkedIn, you have a whole list of publications mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, you've, that you've done, a lot of papers that you've done. So that's a, that's a lot of work. It is, yes. Your soul is in there. Yes. Um, yeah. But that's just, that's one aspect. I mean, that's mm-hmm. Laura 1.0. That's Laura 1.0, yep. And Laura 2.0 <laughs> is, is entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, business leader uh, in the doTERRA business, essential oils queen, and uh, somebody who's played su- such a huge role in so many people's lives. I know the first time that we met you, you were, I don't know, you were driving like 100,000 kilometers a month like going around supporting other people in the doTERRA business for a challenge that you were doing. I was like, oh my God, who is this woman? Like just going all over the place, helping people and so generous and so so abundant. I was, you know, we were just, we were blown away by your contribution um, and your commitment. So um, that's, that's as we know who you are right now, Laura 2.0, it's going around helping people heal oh, thank you. and using these tools, yeah. uh, essential yeah, it's one of my favorite things about the business is I got into it for my own healing. I just found the essential oils so powerful and I had patients asking me about them and I had to do my research over the companies and all that stuff. And then maybe we'll get to it in our conversation, how I kind of accidentally fell into the business side of it. But it's my favorite thing is just seeing a, how you can really tap people into healing themselves and that people have the power to heal themselves and, and we're not taught that. And I love just seeing people come back to that and remember that, but also just seeing what the business opportunity can do for people and change their lives. And in terms, it doesn't even have to be about the money or the rank or, you know, creating a huge business, but just seeing someone overcome a fear or seeing someone help someone for the first time and realizing that they have the power to do that, you know? So it's my favorite thing is just waking people up to all the possibilities and yeah. I love that you kind of like, you just fell, fell into it. Um, because, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we gain from just these first five minutes is just like, you have a very, very diverse background. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing that you see on your website and the thing that you're all about is spirit meets science. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, the first question I want to ask you is with that scientific, you know, materialistic evidence-based background, um, how would you describe the role spirituality has played in your life? So we were just talking. So I was raised Catholic as you were, um, if that's okay for me to share. And, you know, went to Catholic school my whole life. I think there's a huge difference between religion and spirituality. And because I didn't make an active decision to be part of the Catholic church, I, I never really felt super connected to it. It was just something, it was almost just ritual. It was, you know, I, actually enjoyed going to a Catholic school. I felt there was a a good sense of community and love and, you know, the teachings of the church are 
at the root about love. Um, but that being said, there was just several places of disconnect that I had with it. And as an adult, just elected not to pursue going to church and, and following the teachings of the church. Um, and then almost swung the totally opposite way when I got into my undergrad, because it was, you know, as you said, science, evidence-based. I almost just forgot about it. Like I forgot about, I just thought, I didn't even know spirituality was a thing, to be perfectly honest. I thought it was kind of, you know, hippie or witchy. I don't know. Like <laughs> I know we've, we've kind of entered a new level of world evolution in, in 2012. I feel like that kind of cracked open a lot of people. And that's ironically actually when my big spiritual awakening happened. But um, how it plays into my life now is that I, I did, you know, as I was pursuing my master's and PhD, especially got, did get sucked into the ego side of science where um, you can become a bit of a know-it-all and you're doing a lot of things for, for recognition and for accolades and for money. And, um, you know, after my PhD, I became a naturopathic doctor and going through that program just awoke me up to the magic of plants. And, and don't get me wrong, naturopathic medicine, especially in Canada, is very evidence-based, very, you know, it's, it's legit. <laughs> it's not just based on nothing, but it, it woke me up to the power of plants and energy and manifestation and um, the power of your thoughts. And that has now allowed me to look at science in a totally different way and have a lot more discernment and a lot more perspective and not just like not having such a narrow mind, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, how have you integrated the two? Like how, I don't know if many science, you know, scientists yeah. and science-based, um, professionals kind of like have that, mm -hmm. that, um, openness maybe like maybe behind closed doors doors yeah. they are uh, religious or even spiritual yeah. but uh, you know you're very open about it yeah and there's a way that you are kind of integrating it um, you can see it like on your um, on your instagram yeah. you know the stories that you share and the things that you write about are very heartfelt are very spiritual um very connected in that way but also you're using that as like a platform to uh empower mm -hmm. empower women empower people yep um, so how do you kind of, how do you approach it? Like, is that something that you're still, yeah. so I wasn't always so open about it. I, I, I was in the spiritual closet for several years, even after having this big kind of awakening moment and not that there was, I guess there was a bit of shame around it, but yeah, I was like, how are people going to perceive me? I have all these degrees and, and really numbers, evidence-based stuff. And then here I am also talking about my astrologer and my, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? So I was like, I definitely was afraid of how people would perceive me. And then I, I just kind of had this moment where I realized that there's a lot of, there must be more people out there like me who are afraid to talk about it, but who feel it. And if I don't model that, how are they going to feel safe to do it? And I, I really do feel that if you're hiding parts of yourself, you can't fully heal. And again, if we heal ourselves, we heal the world. And the more we share our stories and our experiences and our beliefs, um, the more other people feel safe to do it as well and, you know, won't hide. And hiding doesn't do anyone any good. So, yeah. And a lot of your your life story, it actually takes place in a lot of different parts of the planet, mm -hmm. like different parts of the world. Yep. Can you share about what that experience is like to have different, you know, different home bases uh, different groups of, you know, connections, con different constellation of friends, um, places where you've learned, like how has that contributed to kind of like your, your view of things? Yeah. So my dad was from England and he was an airline pilot. So 
was blessed, you know, to have family abroad and to have his career, which allowed us kids to travel with him and go see family overseas. And I was also an avid reader as a kid growing up, and I still am, but I loved books about boarding school and overnight camp. And if a book was set in a different country, it just automatically attracted me. So um, have always loved travel. I did a semester abroad in undergrad to Scotland, which led me to the Netherlands to do my master's and my PhD, and then use that as kind of, I kind of use my PhD to fund my travel habit <laughs> around <laughs> Europe. But um, I've never, I've never been afraid of leaving home. I've, I've always just felt, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. I feel like I've, I've lived many past lives around the world and I feel home in a lot of different places. So like the first time I landed in Amsterdam, I'm like, I just, like I walk around the streets of Amsterdam humming. I don't, I'm not a singer, but like, I'm just like, whoa, like I'm just so happy here. Like, I don't know, there's no explanation why. Like I have no Dutch family um, in my like bloodlines. Same with London, England, New York City. I don't know. It's it's really weird. But Do the different places have have you noticed? I mean, just because of that, like, does it bring out parts of you where you're like, oh, I didn't know that this was a quality of mine, or this is something that I do? Or... Yeah, I, I, um, like the humming, the humming. Yeah, right? that, like that walking was, I caught myself. And... I was in Amsterdam a couple weeks ago, and I caught myself. I'm like, whoa, like you're humming, Laura. It's pouring rain. <laughs> you're in Amsterdam, <laughs> like weird. But um, I'm I'm pretty introverted. Like if you meet me. Like with my good friends, I, I'm super chatty, but the first time someone meets me, I can be reserved and quiet and, but put me somewhere else. Like if I, if I'm in a different country and I have to talk to someone, like I love stories. I love hearing people's stories. I love, I think that's why I've, I've just moved different places and live there. Cause I want to feel what it's like to be part of that community and to have the whole cultural experience. And it's, it's just really fascinating for me. Is there, is there a one area in particular that's like really close, close to your heart, like really special hmm. that you've lived in or just traveled to? I, I, there's too many. I kind of just, I just love the random experiences that you can have with travel, like mm -hmm. the unplanned experiences. So when I was living in Europe, um, I lived in the Netherlands for almost seven years. I took, I went to Russia one Christmas. My friends were living in England. They, we're from Australia. They'd never seen snow. And they called me and they're like, we're going to go to Russia for Christmas because we reckon there'll be snow. And I was like, I'll go to Russia with you. So we just went to Russia for Christmas. Like, it's just, it, you know what it is? I just made this connection. It's the freedom. It's the freedom that that lifestyle offers. And mm. um, I just love the freedom of saying, yeah, I'm, I, I have the freedom to go and make the decision to move to the Netherlands. Or I have the freedom to go to Christmas in Russia if I want to, you know? So yeah, it's, that's one of my main values is freedom and time freedom, location freedom, freedom to explore opportunity. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, I, I find that to be, that sounds accurate, right? Yeah. Like the, the freedom to actually choose yeah. and then now you're there. Yeah. You, you decide and then there it is. Like yeah. here, here you are. Um, so with all the different, you know, the different experiences that you've had, like it's for most people. Uh, it's it's uncomfortable to travel, travel by yourself, travel by yourself as a woman, mm -hmm. go to different countries, meet new friends, um, expose yourself to new cultures. And um, I know something that like that's been really present for you, at least in the last couple of weeks, I remember you talking about it, has been, you know, all the reinvention over your over your life, like all the all the changes that mm -hmm. you've made, like career and, you know, moving and all these different things. 
Um, I would love to know what your perspective is. Like, you know, just like if you reflect back, what is your approach? Because there's so many people who um, I talk to and people who listen to this show. um, And it's not like just always a dramatic reinvention, like changing career. But it could be something as subtle as, well, I just want to take the next step in my relationship or in my business. And it's a little bit uncomfortable because I've been set in my ways and I've been succeeding for the last, I don't know, however many years. And it's just that little bit of uh, discomfort in in stepping in a new direction. So how would you, and how would you share kind of your view on, on exposing yourself to uh, unfamiliar territories and reinventing yourself? It's definitely uncomfortable. I mean, just using the Netherlands as an example, because that was my longest stint abroad. I mean, I didn't have family there. I didn't know the language. I thought it would be easy. And then you realize that it wasn't, (laughs) you know, if you don't speak the language, like people will make small talk with you at a party, but you know, if you want to go to the gym and work out, you have to understand Dutch. Like, um, it forces you to kind of, I think the biggest thing for me in terms of reinvention when I'm not reinventing myself, it's because I'm stuck in my head and I have, you know, these cyclical thoughts and I'm kind of having a pity party or whatever. And, um, it forces you, you either have to get uncomfortable and make the changes or you go home and that wasn't an option, (laughs) you know, and it forces you to live in the moment as well. Cause if you're making, if you're having to make you're you know, you're living by yourself somewhere else and you're making all the decisions and, no one's there to take care of you. You have to, you know, there's so many different paths you can take and you, you really, you're living in the future a little bit because you have to kind of envision what you want to create for yourself in this new life. But, um, you don't have time to really stress about it because you have to make decisions all day. Right. And, um, yeah, it's, it's very conscious living. It's, it's, it's kind of throwing you into, you know, the pot where you have to live consciously. You have to create what you want to create or, there was no point going, right? Yeah, I like that because it seems, I mean, just hearing that, it seems to me that the conscious living aspect is the fact that you are constantly making choices. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that prevents us from the change that's already happening is holding back on making a new choice yeah. because the choice exposes us to a different opportunity, different direction, yeah. and it risks what we already have. Yeah. Um, but you know, the analogy of traveling, it's like, yeah, you got to choose. Like you're always kind of at the edge of your seat, moving things forward Mm -hmm. and you kind of have no choice so that, you know, I think we can apply that in our lives and our careers realizing, okay, maybe, maybe one way to look at it is like, what decision do I need to make next? Yeah. Like what decision am I avoiding? Cause it's, it's actually our choices, um, that makes us live consciously. Otherwise you're just kind of a repetition of the past yeah exactly yeah so one example i was living with my partner at the time um we had an apartment together and we were saving a lot of money like for european standards we were paying it was basically living for free there were these apartment (laughs) buildings on the highway that were built after the war and they were going to tear them down but there was all this bureaucracy about should we tear them down should we not tear them down in the meantime they were letting people like us live there to prevent squatters from living there so we were essentially living for free and it was, it was fine inside, but, um, you know, every morning I woke up, I looked at the highway, you know, cycling home. It was just like, uh, it, it gave me no joy. And finally I said to him, I was like, I don't care if we're saving this much money. Like I have to move to downtown. Like I want cobblestones. I want church bells. I want to be able to walk to the bakery. I don't care if it's going to cost us three times the money. Um, that's what 
I think we need. And a month later we did it. And it was just like living in a Disney movie in the sense that you heard the church bells in the morning and there was cobblestones right outside. And yeah, it was just had to make the decision, you know, and that that's also been something with money, like travel has brought out for me in terms of, um, reinventing myself is, is really getting intimate with your money story and the value of things and what you value and, um, kind of really losing quickly the societal conditioning that's put on us with money and, and having to achieve things at certain times and getting over certain stigmas about things like renting. Like I rented in the Netherlands. I rent now. A lot of my friends, most of them own homes and have made very different decisions with money. Um, so yeah, that, that's been another interesting journey that's emerged. It's like the whole money story, which I know a lot of entrepreneurs come up against. Just opened up a whole bag of worms right there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you need to get jacked up for this one because almost every single human being, if every single human being, um, has challenges around money, Mm -hmm. has a story around money, limitations, scarcity, um, dysfunction, compulsion. There's a, there's so, there's a lot of nonsense around money. And I like, I'm not, I, I, have, I haven't figured it out. I'm, I'm working on it. I think we're all working on it. I think we'll it. always, always be working on it. Yeah, we'll always yeah. be working on it because, I mean, there's, there's self-worth there. There's what's my value. There's, you know, am I get you know, for what I'm giving, am I getting it back and reciprocation? Like, there's so much around it. But, like, on the topic of money, how would you describe um, how your relationship with money has changed? Mm-hmm. And, and can you describe what that looks like for us so that for the people who are listening, they can kind of, like, peer through the window that you are. Yep. And see, oh, maybe that's another way I can look at money, or and maybe it's another way to look at money, and it challenges the the money story that I got, yep. and it actually tests it, and maybe it pokes holes through it. Yeah. But I think we're better for it. So I would love to know what your insights are around money. Yeah, I think I first came up against, I first became aware of like money <laughs> when I so I finished my PhD, and then in Europe at least at the university I was at or the country I was in, you actually get paid to do your PhD. So you, we were getting paid as a researcher. Where? Again, Where is this? The Netherlands. Oh. Um, it was, it was like a very reliable income. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good four years, but at the end of it, you know, I had some life events happen here back home in Canada. I had, I was realizing that I wasn't happy in the direction that this career was going and I wasn't willing to sacrifice my life that young for something I wasn't passionate about. Um, so I had to make the decision, like, what am I going to do? So naturopathic medicine kept like poking me and that's a, that's a huge expense. So almost a hundred thousand dollars for four year, it's a medical degree. So, you know, you're giving up four years of income. And again, I was a little bit older. So I think I was 30 when I started the program. Again, all my friends are buying homes they're all having kids. They're all getting married. Like that's where their money's going. And I'm like, I'm going to actually stop working for four years and pay someone a hundred thousand dollars to, you know, get this degree. And then it was towards the end of my degree where I realized that as a naturopath, I, I would still be trading dollars for like hours for dollars. If that makes sense. Like there yeah, was a time for money, time for money. I could see X amount of patients a day, just the model of our medicine. And I was like, Hmm, how is this any different actually from working an office job as a researcher in the university, like what, don't get me wrong. I love, I love it. And I like helping people is like my jam. But when I realized what I'd invested and what I was going to get out of it financially, and I really believe that 
if we're, if we're abundant in our finances, that's how we recirculate health and happiness back into the world. Like I don't believe in making a million dollars to go and buy a Ferrari. That's just not my personal desire. Like I want to take that money and go help someone with it somewhere, like recirculate something back into the world. So with, you know, as an entrepreneur, my other problem, quote unquote, is that I'm very multi-passionate and I couldn't figure out how to combine all my passions into one thing. And Mm -hmm. if you take any kind of introduction to entrepreneurship or marketing courses it's all like what's your client avatar like what's your niche and i i was so resistant oh, to I, that i've resisted that for and i know years. i know it's important you have to start somewhere but i just had huge problems with it because i'm like i don't know like i like obviously natural medicine and science and helping people and spirit and science and i like doing hair <laughs> and i like photography like how do i become ha- i don't know I you're was, a great writer too like, I like writing yeah. yeah i have like a couple books I, I need to get back into my writing. I've, it's something I've neglected the past couple of years, but how, how? And I, that's when I kind of accidentally fell into the doTERRA network marketing business model. Like you do, you put your time in in the beginning and I'm still putting a lot of time in, but my business is kind of hitting a stride now where I am getting a certain level of time freedom. And I recognize there's, there's a lot of pride even in entrepreneurship about being busy. And um, I began like, what's the point of, of having this success and making this money if you're so busy that you're, you don't have time to do stuff with it or you're too tired to do stuff with it. Right. So I I've just realized that, um, you don't have to trade dollars for hours. That's been my big awakening for, and I still feel guilt around that. Like, you know, I, I feel like I should be always working sometimes, but, um, I guess certainly back to your original question is like, I think my biggest lesson has been there's so many different ways that we can make money in the world. And a lot of us just have to kind of decondition ourselves from what we've been taught as children, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like to un- unlearn it. Unlearn. Yeah. 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 It's like you need, you need you, we do how, how many years altogether? I mean, like 12, 18 years of school from the time yeah. we were four years old. I think we need another like 12 or 18 years yeah. to like unlearn some of that, mm-hmm. some of that as well yeah. to open up a new space. Yeah. But you know, I, I I love the perspective um, that you that you shared. That's something that I think so many of us like really struggle with as well. It's like, well, what's the difference here? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm just trading my my time for money, you know, and, and, I, and there's nothing wrong with it. It depends on I think what you're trying to accomplish. Yep. I think for you, like even you said earlier, one of the biggest things that you connected the dots were like it's freedom, mm-hmm. like. The traveling and the and the you know the career path and the choices, it's like you're an agent, right? Like you're an like you have agency yeah. over your life. You have yeah. power over your life, the course of it. And um, yeah, when you, if you're trading time for money, then you don't have as much mm-hmm. of that choice. Yeah, and I feel like I maybe one of my roles, and I've I've been kind of reluctant to accept it. I know I'm a bridge between spirit and science for a lot of people, just with my credentials people listen to me that they, they might not listen to other people saying right. the same things. And, um, I just love offering people different perspectives. And I've, I've had a few conversations, just even traveling people very, very unhappy with their life and their jobs and thinking they're stuck. And I think one of my biggest messages to people is like, you're never stuck. Like what is security? And I think we also in the money conversation have to redefine security, right? Like a lot of people define security as having a house and having investments and a portfolio. And that's, that's obviously as an entrepreneur, you still have to be responsible with your money, right? You have to get a handle on that. But, um, for me, security is being able to have a Wednesday like this, right? You know, (laughs) like it's not, 
a lot of people I think are still um, chained to this idea of of security is having a pension and health benefits. But if you're not happy and you don't feel free to live life, then what, what's the point, you know? The, the distinction that I make from that is um, one is actually more about safety. And there's nothing wrong with that because you want to be safe. Mm-hmm. And also that safety has to do with an external reality. Like what are my finances doing? What are my investments? Like external circumstances and things whereas um i think true security has to do with like an internal experience of like i get to choose i'm reliable for it i can get through whatever is in front of me um it's kind of like that certainty that whatever it is i will overcome it Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i yeah i agree with how i view it yeah um i want to get like it's right there. Okay. It's right there. The your your journey with DoTerra. But I want to. Um, can you share what your most defining moments have been? And what would you say are like are the two or three most defining moments of your life have been? If you look back at your life, those moments where uh, you had to overcome challenges, mm-hmm. obstacles. Uh, you were in the midst of a breakdown, and mm-hmm. right on right around the corner. Maybe you didn't see it at that point. It was like the next breakthrough. It was like the next progressive leap forward in your life. Can you share um, about some of those experiences? Yeah, I think I want to acknowledge my privilege and that I've had a very privileged upbringing in the sense that um, I I was always free to pursue what I what I wanted to pursue and had access to education and and resources. And I I think. Not that I led a sheltered life because my parents were very open to me pursuing my my dreams, but um, I didn't really have any breakdowns, I don't think, until around until I was almost on my PhD when I recognized that, whoa, okay, I've kind of taken my, well, at the time I thought I'd taken my academic career <laughs> as far as I could take it, and there was no no more degrees to hide behind, like what am what am I going to do with my life now? Like, like a ceiling? You hit like I a- hit a ceiling. Yeah. I hadn't quite, I didn't think about medical school yet, but um, I'd hit the academic ceiling and like, Oh, now what am I like thinking about what I want to really be when I grow up kind of thing. And around the same time as when my dad, so my dad got very sick with cancer um, and it happened very quickly. So I think this was probably my very first, I think I might've taken the blog post down when I revamped my website and I have to put it back up, but he basically, I'd already made the decision to move home to Canada because it was just time to come home. I'd been away for so long and I, w- I was already at this kind of crossroads with my academic career and I, I knew coming back to Canada was the next step. But so I decided to spend one final Christmas in Europe because it's so magical with all the markets and the, you know, atmosphere. And I called home on box. No, I called him on Christmas Eve to say Merry Christmas to my family. And my, my parents were just acting really weird and... As they were fighting essentially. And it's because my dad was sick and he wouldn't go to the hospital. And my mom was getting upset because, you know, men getting sick and just not listening to the wife and blah, blah, blah. So I thought naively that if I flew home and surprised them, that everything would be like all hunky dory. So booked a uh, last minute flight on my credit card home on boxing day, landed. And my dad was just not, he was like clearly very ill. Like he was just not mentally there just, it was, it was really weird. So I said to my mom, like, we have to get him to the hospital. Like, this is really strange. Um, long story short, he went into the hospital on boxing day, 
three or four days later was diagnosed with cancer. A couple days after that, it was metastatic kidney cancer. And two weeks later, he was dead. So, you know, I'd come from four years of research in cancer and how to prevent it and very, very immersed in the cancer world. And I was like, hold on a second. Like, I know exactly what you have to do to prevent cancer. And, and now, like, you're telling me that someone could just get cancer and die in two weeks? Like, what the F is wrong? I can swear on this. Said, like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And, like, just having him pass away so quickly. And he came from, like, he's British. God. I was raised, don't get me wrong, like, very, very loving family. But we didn't express our emotions. Like, it was, you know, keep calm and carry on. You yeah. know, you don't have to cry. Like, you know, man up, be strong. Um, kind of thing. So very, in a very short period of time as a family, we had to communicate our feelings to each other because like someone was going to (laughs) die. And that was my first experience really with death. And um, it changed my whole view of death and how we treat death as a Western society. And I think death can actually be quite beautiful. So people were very worried about me after he passed because I was I seem fine, quote unquote. I don't get, I cried, don't get me wrong, but I had processed it all. We had some beautiful discussion. I saw that he was ready. He accepted it. He was excited for the next. He was very, he was a believer. And who am I to say, be selfish and say, but I don't want you to go, right? So that was kind of my first um, powerful moment. And then he started visiting me in dreams. And I've had some very profound dreams where he comes, especially in times where, I'm struggling with something and I know it's him because it's just a different feeling. Like it's just, it almost, it's almost like you're dreaming and then there's a commercial break and he's the commercial break where he's like, hold on a second. Like, okay, I've got you in the dream. Hey, hello. Have your attention. Hey, like, give me a moment. Um, and yeah, it's, it's moments like that, that have been really powerful. So yeah, I can't remember your original question now, but that was my, my first him passing and, and going through that, um, was kind of my my first major breakdown turning point because I really had to acknowledge that life is short, that it's really important to communicate to your loved ones how you feel about them, um, not to be afraid of death, and just live your life. And um, that's kind of when my spirituality cracked open. I was like, okay, if dad's visiting me in dreams <laughs> and talking to me, I need to listen. And yeah. Wow. What, what, what kind of messages do you, do you get? Yeah. So like the the first one, it was a tsunami. So there was a tsunami and my family was vacationing somewhere and it was like, we were all underwater and we all came back up. You know how the tsunami it's, it's a blue sky, sunny, you know, like one moment and then it's over and the water's calm again. Right. So we were all bobbing in the water, my mom, my two sisters, and myself, and we're looking around like, oh, where's dad? Mom's like, where's dad? And I said, oh, I'll go find him. So I, I dove back under the water and I came up somewhere else. It was just somewhere else. And it was just, you could just feel it was somewhere else. And he was there bobbing in the water by himself. I was like, dad, like, come like, oh, I found you. He's like, no, no, I'm good here. I'm good. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm good. Tell them I'm good. So I was like, okay. So I went back under the water, came back. I was like, he's good. And they're like, okay. And it was just this confirmation that he was good. My body got chills. Yeah. So that was, that. that was, that was, that's given me a lot of peace. And that's when people are like, oh, we're really worried about you. I'm like, no, like we're good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and I actually thought when I was kind of pursuing my clinical naturopathic practice of pursuing palliative care and just trying to make an impact there. But yeah, that was one. And then I had one recently. Um, 
again, that's when it really felt like I was dreaming. I dream a lot and it's always very quickly and lots of color and it makes perfect sense at the time. But in retrospect, you're like, what? I don't understand what just happened. But so he stopped the dream and he's like, Laura, you've got this. Like, you're going to be okay. Because I was really worried about decisions I'd made lately and just a lot of security fears. The money story was coming up. I was doubting my entrepreneurial path. You know, we do hit these roadblocks as entrepreneurs. Like, I make, sometimes we can make it sound like it's, it's this dream life. And most days it is. But some days you're like, I just need to go work in a bank. Like, I just need <laughs> <laughs> someone take care of me and give me, you know what I mean? And he just was like, you're good. Like, you've got this. Like, you've got this. Like, so he'll often pop in and say, you've got this. Encouraging. Encouraging. Like, it's always encouraging. Yeah. And, cheering you on. Yeah. And then most recently, this That's is kind beautiful. of, I'm just going to tell this story since we're just talking freely, but I don't know if I told Janet this, but so recently, so I foster dogs. That's part of what I love to do. And because I work a lot from home, I have the freedom to do that. And recently, one of my foster dogs escaped and was on the run in Toronto, which if you know, Toronto is very, a difficult environment to be lost in as a dog because we have the beach, we have the highway, the ravine, the city. It's just a nightmare. So she was running for six days. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was so stressed out about this missing dog because she was, she was from Mexico. It was just, oh, it was just a nightmare. And I said to dad, like, I was also supposed to go to Europe a couple days later. And I said, I can't leave no, not knowing where she is. So I said to dad, I was driving around looking for her and um, it happened to be his birthday. Actually, it was October 3rd. I was like, oh, dad, it's your birthday. I was like, I just, I really need to find this dog. <laughs> so if there's ever a time when you can help me from up there, like, just please help us find this dog. So I have to back it up a little bit. This doesn't make any sense. But basically when he passed away, I assigned him an angel number. So, you know, when you see like 111, it's a sign from the universe. And I, I assigned him 43 because he was born in 1943. And I just know that whenever I see a 43 randomly, it's a sign from him and it just makes me smile. So anyways, fast forward to October 3rd. I was like, happy birthday, dad. I just need to find this dog. I'm so stressed out. I just don't know what to do anymore. So no joke of a, like no joke, like two hours later, we found her. Unfortunately, it was too late. Like she'd passed away. She was down in the Don Valley ravine and it was just, just too late. But the person that found her, um, was a random fisherman who was walking past the train tracks and just saw, happened to see her and called the t- number on her tags. And he actually had to pin his location on Google maps because he didn't know how else to tell us where he, where he was to find her. So he, he dropped the pin and like, you know, how you can get the, the coordinates, like the mm. latitude. So it was like 43.43, like it was like double 43s in this so I was like, dad, oh, like, wow. are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, thank you. But like, you can't make this stuff up. Right. So I know he's around me all the time and he's connected to me. And it's just a matter of, you know, it's his personality where he won't, he won't be there all the time, but he'll pop in when I really need him. And yeah. Wow. So, that is so beautiful. Yeah. And to have, to have him there for you. Yeah. So that situation. Oh, and then I guess the, the other major situation would be when I was having a real crisis, after investing a hundred thousand dollars in four years of my adult life, going back to school and realizing that I, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to practice as a naturopathic doctor in the way that we we're, were kind of mandated to practice in Ontario. And like, Holy shit. Like what, what have I done? Yeah, like, what was the point deal, of all this? How do you deal with that? Like, yeah. I mean, like f- I, I have a personal experience of when I closed down my first company and saying it out loud and announcing it to myself 
just rocked my world because it was just like this blatant truth in front of my face that I could not get rid of until I made sure that it was, you know, that I lived that truth, that I closed down the company, that I let it go, that I leave it behind me. But that was, it was terrifying and I felt embarrassed and I felt ashamed and I felt it was, it was a mess. It was like to tell people about it. Yeah. Um, So what was that like for you? I mean, you've like, it was like you were kind of, your career and your educations are like moving up and you're like peaking, like you're starting to peak here. Right? You're like, okay, I'm going to be launched after this. Yeah. After this 100K, after this four-year degree, um, you're going to be a doctor. Yep. And then? Yeah. So there's a lot of ego involved because you're like, oh, I'm a doctor. Like, And if I give this up and I give up my license, I won't be a doctor in this sense of the word anymore. And I had already developed a bit of a reputation in my family of being flaky. <laughs> Even though I had achieved so much, I was always changing my mind. And I, I was, you know searching for something. Right. So, um, uh, I, I was afraid to tell my mom because I just knew she wouldn't understand right away. <laughs> um, and it's not like I, I didn't have a plan. Like I had a, a kind of a vague plan. Like I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I was going to be successful doing something. It just wasn't going to be with this title. Right. Um, and also like my husband, he, he was very supportive, you know, he was Dutch. So he moved back to Canada for me to do this program you know, he was working full time while I was going to school and I didn't want him to think that I didn't appreciate, you know, the sacrifices that he had made for me to do this. But this is when I think it's important that you surround yourself with people who believe in you. And like, he never doubted. He was like, okay, like if this isn't for you, then, you know, tell me what you want to do next. And like, we'll try to, we'll try to figure it out. So yeah, I was very lucky in that respect, but it was scary, but it was also a huge relief. And maybe you, you know the feeling when you say it out loud and make the decision and you feel the change in your body, like you feel the weight lift and you know, it, it might just be for a second and then all the fear comes back, but you know, in that one moment that it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. The fear was like a forward moving yeah. fear as opposed to the fear of being a fake. Yeah. Like, like not, mm-hmm. d- not living my truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you have any, like, did you have any breakdowns? Oh yeah. Like, did you, and what did you do? Like, what was that like? Um, did you tell people about it? Was this something that you kind of just had with you and your partner? uh, Did I tell people? I think people could sense I was unhappy. When I get stressed, I tend to get bitchy (laughs) and tend to retreat. Like I, I, I just hibernate and, I, you know, I wasn't making plans with friends. I wasn't, I wasn't being present with my family. Like, again, just coming from a family where we didn't really, again, love each other very much, but didn't express our emotions or how we're feeling and learn that it's okay to express how you're feeling instead of just saying to my family, you know, I'm kind of going through a rough time right now. And I just, it's nothing personal, but I just don't want to do X, Y, Z or whatever, I would just go to these events and then just sit there at the table, like sulking essentially, just cause I was so internalized. So definitely caused some friction in my relationships. And that was a major learning opportunity is just, um, the importance of expressing yourself and exerting boundaries, even though the people around you might not understand, you have to express it. Um, but yeah, when I made the decision and you know, it took a while. So like I, I, committed to doing doTERRA. I just, I saw the opportunity and I saw how it could help people on a huge scale and how it could be a vehicle for me as someone who's so multi-passionate, you know, I have the natural health experience, you know, doTERRA has this beautiful co-impact sourcing model. And I, with the travel, 
I just, I saw myself, I saw myself in Nepal, you know, on the side of a mountain, watching the wintergreen being harvested, helping the locals there amplify their life as well. And what I love about, um, what doTERRA is doing in the world is again, I'm, I'm very conscious of my privilege and I never want to go somewhere with my white privilege and exert my ways on someone or think that I can save someone. And doTERRA is really conscious of that as well. So we're really, um, linking arms with people and, and using our privilege to help local communities amplify themselves. I saw myself traveling, teaching, sharing, and this is, this is why it's I went like into natural medicine. Living the life that you're living yeah. right now. And I, I kind of manifested that. But at the time, I, I, I was it. afraid to let go of the, my, my degree and my title and my license. So it was kind of... What was the hardest thing to let... Well, okay. So I have two questions because yeah. I, I re- I'm really curious. Um, was there like a fundamental misalignment or inauthenticity about that world where you're just like, wow, I can't be grouped into this conversation. Yes. I don't want to be lumped up into this. And then as well, what was, you know, the second question has nothing, it's separate from that, but it's, um, what was the hardest thing for you to, to let go of and release? Mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, it's a big, big investment of your time and, yeah. and your identity of who you saw yourself to be. Yeah. I wouldn't say there was not inauthenticity. Like a lot of my best friends are naturopathic doctors and they're doing such amazing things to help people. Um, or misalignment. Misal- or just, it was just more a misalignment of myself. Wasn't... Yeah. Because... You know, and this is where I, I feel like I can be this bridge between spirit and science because what was happening, at least in my personal viewpoint of like how I was seeing the profession, is that they're really trying to legitimize themselves because for a long time natural medicine has been vilified and yeah. we've been called quacks and there's a there's a de- defense they're on the defense all the time especially and what they were trying to do is kind of appease medical doctors and prove to medical doctors and the Western medical system that we have a place. And as a result of that, a lot of the things that I really believe in and that I had the most powerful patient experiences with, like homeopathy, energy medicine, um, yeah, all the magical stuff essentially was being taken out and um, we were being encouraged not to practice that and not to tell people that we do that. And um, oh, that's annoying. Yeah, it was it was frustrating because it, yeah. I think th- that's where we can really shine and make a difference is because we're we're not just green medical doctors. We have there's there's something special there and it wasn't being encouraged. Yeah. So that Wow, was- so like it's so you're um you find yourself about to enter a field or in a field where so much of the effort is around gain trust. Yeah. Like gain people's trust yeah. and appease to yeah. the masses just so that we can kind of get in yeah. there as opposed to, hey, this is why we're complementary. Yeah. And just here's why we're so unique. Yeah. I was like, Here how about we things- gain the trust of the public on homeopathy because we're really good at it and right. we we can explain it. And, you know, there was a lot of push towards evidence-based medicine and, and naturopathic medicine, which, you know... Of course, you, you want to be prescribing things to people that work and that have been shown to work in studies. But from someone coming from a research background, you know, with two master's degrees and a PhD, like, I know how to read research. And I think the biggest thing I took away from my grad studies in research was learning discernment. And there's this tendency to have a really narrow focus on what evidence-based medicine means. And just because there's a double-blind uh, placebo controlled trial on something doesn't mean, you know, if you don't have discernment about what it actually means, then it doesn't mean anything. I don't know. That's philosophical, but 
I found that people didn't really know how to read the studies. They, they were taking things out of context. Um, you know, just because there isn't X, Y, Z study on homeopathy doesn't mean that it doesn't work, you know? So mm. this is where I feel that I wanted, I wanted to, this is what I wanted to be a light for. And I felt like I couldn't do that within the confines of my license <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And what was the hardest thing for you to let go of? Probably like, again, just get falling back into that fear place around money and time wasted, quote unquote wasted, um, uh, getting over myself essentially. Like it was like myself. kind of like a sunk cost kind of thing. Yeah. And just where it's like, Oh, I've already put all this time in. I'm mm-hmm. not even going to use it now like that. Yeah. And just, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So can you share with us, like, how did doTERRA enter your life? Because I know you had a very interesting first couple of years around it before it really took off for you in terms of, like, clicking Mm -hmm. with, like, career and passion and service. Yes. So a friend of mine from from naturopathic school, a friend of hers was you know, doing the business and offered to come and teach a class for us, like an essential oils class, aromatherapy class, because ironically, as naturopathic medical students, we didn't learn anything about essential oils, anything about aromatherapy beyond maybe a couple of studies that were done on lavender or something like that. So we were thinking to ourselves, yeah, that'd be a good idea. And I've always loved scent. Like I've always loved perfume and you know, if I was any good at chemistry, (laughs) at one point in my life, I wanted to actually be a perfumer if that's a career, you know, like I wanted to live in Paris and and make perfume. So went to this class and as soon as I smelled them, I was like, Oh, this is just, it was just so fun. It was just Mm. so fun. And I, I enrolled with a couple of oils, nothing serious. And Gerilyn is our friend, like Janet, like our mutual upline now planted a few seeds at the time. Like you guys as naturopathic doctors, you have a huge opportunity here to be able to spread this message of hope and healing Um, because doTERRA oils especially are a a different beast altogether when it comes to safety, purity, potency. We could do a whole podcast on that. But um, these are tools that are going to change the world, both in terms of helping people here heal and helping people on the other side of the bottle heal. So in terms of what I was talking about with co-impact sourcing and and elevating those communities around the world where we get our oils from, um, you guys could be, you know, game changers here and how you really serve people. And we're like, oh yeah, but we're going to be doctors. So like, you know, we didn't really give her the time of day. And I have to give her a lot of credit because she didn't, she just said, okay, cool, whatever. Um, and we became Facebook friends, I think. And I just kind of followed her and I watched her personal and professional journey unfold. And it was in my clinical year at school where it was really starting to hit me that this is when I, I really was itching to come out of the spiritual closet and admit to people because I kind of had this reputation at school of, of being pretty smart and knowing my shit because I had a PhD beforehand and blah, blah, blah. And I was a bit older and had the life experience, but I really just wanted to talk about astrology and homeopathy and crystals and, you know, numerology and all this stuff that quote unquote doesn't have evidence behind it and was really struggling. So Jer posted something on her Facebook about this new coaching program she had called the surrender process. And she said, I have two spots left, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, I'm in her program and (laughs) she's incorporated essential oils into it because she's like, these are going to, these are super healing. Like everything that we're going to talk about and I'm going to ask you to practice. I want you to use the oils to really anchor in 
the intention of it because you can use essential oils and any scent really to anchor in emotion and habit. So I, yeah, I had these oils on my shelf and, and she really did change the trajectory of my career by helping me just cracked me open to, to my next level essentially. And we became better friends after that. And I just watched her a little bit more and she, she kept every six months or so she'd reach out to me and say, are you sure you can't do this as a business? Because you'd be really, really good at it. I think it would really complement everything you say you want to do in the world. And I was always like, no, no, I'm going to be a doctor, Jer. Like I, MLM, like, no, like, are you kidding? I'm not in sales, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, so I did my board exams. I was practicing. I was also doing some consulting work for some academic stuff. And I just remember it was a fe- February, 2017. I was sitting in my office. It was 2 AM in the morning. I was crying cause I was so, I was doing this consulting work and it wasn't fueling my soul at all. And I just regretted saying yes to something for the financial opportunity. I was like, okay, this will bring me in $5,000. I'm just going to do it. It's easy, but it was soul sucking. Like what's the point of doing the work if it's just going to suck your soul? And I remember saying, um, to myself, I was just playing with these oils and I was like, Oh, I wish I could just do doTERRA. Like, why? Oh. <laughs> I just, if I could just build a doTERRA business. And, um, it's I remember like, an epi- like an epiphany. Yeah. And I said to Richard the next day, I was like, oh. he's like, well, why don't you, if that would make you happy, <laughs> why don't you just call Geraldine and do it? Like I'm kind of, not that he was sick of my whining, but he's like, something's got to give here. Right. So I called Jer. No, I messaged her on Instagram and I said, uh, so can we talk about the business? <laughs> and she's like, yep. So we got on the phone and yeah, that, that was kind of it. And, um, it was, it was a transition for me because it was, it was coming out of another closet in the sense that this was not the traditional path that someone who studied naturopathic medicine would take. Um, a lot of us have resistance to the MLM model for whatever reason. I think there might be, how to put this into words again it's, there's an ego explain there. to people what mlm means oh sorry if they don't understand. multi-level marketing essentially has a really bad rap um from it shouldn't because it's actually a really beautiful model of business and i think where the future of business is going to go it's basically referral marketing so think about how often you book a hotel or you book um a place to go for dinner because your friend said it was good mm-hmm. so essentially it's it's buying something that your friend already knows is good and is going to teach you about and, and serve you with. And then, um, if it serves you, you do the same and you essentially support each other and, and build a beautiful business. Um, and the idea is that if you have a really strong foundation, you're building a pipeline as opposed to hauling buckets. So you you build a really strong pipeline to get your water from the beginning to the end. And that's your, your residual income coming in. So you're essentially building residual income is the, the purpose of a multi-level marketing business. And if you have a product that is reliable and works and is safe and effective and a company culture that also has a mission to change the world and how we do business and how we serve each other, it's, it's game changing. So that's kind of what I walked into, but also why, why this business and not like some other, I mean, I'm sure you had so many other opportunities that you could have yep. explored, um, entertained or people yeah. who are actually probably headhunting you. Yeah. Like, why this It direction? was doTERRA as a company and just what they, just the heart of the company, what I saw them doing in the world, the fact that they totally, they, they consciously made the business multi-level marketing because they recognized that was how people can achieve financial freedom in the world and how we can serve the most people. 
and they consciously set it up like that and um, reinvented the whole model to be very financially abundant with the intention that if, if people don't have debt and they're financially abundant, they can recirculate that wealth in the world. So again, it's not a company about getting rich quick. It's a company about helping people. The more people you help either as customers, just, you know, learning to use the oils for themselves or people who decide to link arms with you in the business, which is only about 10% of the people. So a lot of people think it's a pyramid scheme where, you know, if you sign up, you're kind of like, signing up for the business as well. And that's not how doTERRA works. So 90% of people who use doTERRA oils are just using them for their own health and healing. And then 10% want to spread the message of hope and healing. So they, they do well, the business. I think, I think that's uh, the, the, the issue is that a lot of people collapse the two, mm-hmm. pyramid and then MLM. Yeah. Because pyramid schemes are, from my experience, because I've been trapped. Okay. I have lost thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um you know, partaking in in a pyramid scheme when I was like 19, okay. 20, 19, 20 years old. It's you make money because someone just signed up yes. to go make money, to go sign other people yeah. up, to go make money. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, MLM, there's so many network marketing, multi-level marketing businesses. Yes. And it's very, uh, it's product oriented. Yes. Like you... Just like if you are in a sales business, you make a performance-based commission, let's say, like a percentage of whatever the sales or the profits yep. are, and that's how you get paid. Yeah. Um, MLM is like, here's a product, here's a set of products, um, and this is what we offer, and then whatever you sell, there's a percentage, and yeah. that's part of part of what you take home. When someone signs up, that's not like... I think that's that's the big difference. Yeah. So I definitely was approached about other opportunities in the multi-level marketing world because there's a lot of it's it's quite often like that health. health products are sold yeah. that way. And nothing resonated with me like doTERRA and it was their mission and their culture and just again it felt like a vehicle for me. It felt like a vehicle where I could combine all my passions into one thing and create something and just the community is next level. Um it attracts a lot of like-minded people. Um, I just really admired what some of the women were doing, um, what they'd created, what, what the women before me were doing. And I wanted to, I wanted to be part of it. And just, just in case we've lost people, I want to, I want to like, just check back in because, uh, heads up, I wake my ass up in the morning and the first thing I do is put a drop of frankincense under my tongue and two drops of copaiba under my tongue and a drop of balance uh, on the bottoms of my feet. Yes. And our house, you know, like we have these, I can't remember what they're called, but they're like UV protected glass mm-hmm. bottles where we concoct our own cleaning products. Yep. So, you know, I spray and we clean and I mop the floors with these essential oils. And it's like, our house smells freaking incredible. Yep. You know, as I'm cleaning, I feel like I'm healing. And, um, I love, I love the fact that I'm immersed in it. Like one of, one of my philosophies and values, me and Janet together is to beautify, to beautify the food on our plate, to beautify the space, not even just with the colors or the decoration, but with the smell. Like as soon as you enter a room, it's like the scent is there. Yeah. Um, so, um, essential oils have played a huge role, not just in like how we feel, because there's so many benefits in that, but also because of, you know, the difference that it's made in our lives, especially, you know, Jan is going to come on the show. 
uh, my fiance to talk about her experience with it, where she had like incredible pain, chronic yeah. pain in her back and breathing issues that, you know, after so many different, I don't want to share your story too much, but like tests and exams and results, no, I'm sorry, no results, like inconclusive and a huge intense regimen that you just out of nowhere entered her life and are like, Hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, you know, apply and breathe this and inhale this and like put this under your tongue. And month, just a few months later, they were just, they disappeared. Yeah. Like they were gone. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing for me. It's like, it's one of those things where as soon as you open up a bottle and you breathe it and you smell it or you apply it on your skin and you feel the intensity, the purity, um, that's all like, that's it. That's all it takes. There's no, you, you don't need you don't need anything else from my eyes than that type of experience. Yeah, and you know I wasn't physically sick when I was using the oils on myself. For me, it was it was a lot about emotional health, and I'm, I, w- I wasn't very good at quieting my mind and calming down. And I was using the oils to tap into like stress and anxiety and figuring out my life. So actually, one of my first classes I did was essential oils for entrepreneurs and creatives. Like, how do we get out of Ooh. our own way? How do we you know, what those moments where we're in such self-doubt or we need confidence or we want to manifest something, how can we, how can we use doTERRA essential oils to, to help that? So, okay. Can we like, like break it down? Like, yeah. can you science the shit out of some of these oils that entrepreneurs, high achievers can use and leverage for their daily, yeah. you know, their daily well being? Yeah. So there's, I mean, and performance. Oh my goodness. Okay. So in a nutshell, basically, if you think about you, as an entrepreneur, you have to be, you're like an athlete. Like you want to be, you're playing a game. You want to be at your peak performance. And how can you be at your peak performance if your body is riddled with chemicals and you know, like your, your fat is storing toxins and your brain, you have brain fog and hormonal imbalance from all the stuff, all the synthetic chemicals around your home. So even using something basic like lemon essential oil, lemon essential oil, we know all the citrus oils, the chemistry of the citrus oils helps us with feeling uplifted and uplifting our mood and our focus. So you're getting that benefit of it. Um, if all your cleaning supplies are made with lemon and vinegar, but you're also eliminating a shitload of toxins from your home that you might not realize are helping are holding you back. But I guarantee that if you can get rid of all that synthetic fragrance, if you can get rid of the chemicals you put on your body, you clean with, you wash your food with your hands with, um, just, just pay attention and, and look back in a month and you'll be like, Whoa, suddenly your brain is more clear. You have more energy. You're sleeping better. And you're performing better at your business. So, does it also cause stress? Like having, you know, oh, yeah. chemicals Infl- yeah. and inflammation. You're like, in a chronic state of inflammation. So your your body's tr- constantly working yeah. to yeah. purify and get rid of some of these toxins, and like that takes yeah. away the mental energy. Yeah. And okay. so, there's absolutely a biological, physiological effect that rem- using oils instead of all that stuff can help you with. But then at an energetic level, so plants are living creatures. They have energy. We know like how good do you feel in a home full of houseplants, right? And walking through a garden. And the beautiful thing about doTERRA essential oils, especially is because they source their oils from the place on earth where they're indigenous. Um, the plants are very healthy and have a very unique chemistry. And that's why they're so potent compared to other oils on the market. And because doTERRA links arms with local farmers who've tended this land for generations in many cases, right? People who harvest the plants that doTERRA buys from um, love the plants and there's just a loving energy that happens when people at all levels of the chain care so much. So you're getting a pure energy in this plant, right? So 
For example, bergamot or bergamot. I never had bergamot. This. Bergamot is the oil. It's a citrus oil from Italy. Amazing for stress, amazing for sleep, but also energetically is the oil of, of self-love and self-belief, right? So mm. as an entrepreneur, if you are diffusing that, know that it's going to give you probably an instant confidence boost and, and, you know, get rid of that self-consciousness that you might have about an idea or so you can tap into them at the physical level, at the emotional level, at the spiritual level. It's that's why I love it. It just taps into every single piece of you. Hmm. Yeah. So, so lemon for entrepreneurs, bergamot, lemon, so very citrusy, citrusy, wild orange. Um, let me think. Oh my gosh. So many options. Yeah. yeah. I would say, I mean, the like webinar is on my YouTube channel. Lav- if you like, want to I would say obvious one lavender too, because, yeah. um, I think when we're, we're always on edge and life is un- and life and business are yep. unpredictable. A lot of the times it can get stressful and the doubt and that fear and yep. that anxiety so uh, can of- creep in lavender yeah. for me just, yeah. So just lots of studies on lavender drop. for the evidence-based people out there. Lots of ev- <laughs> uh, studies on lavender, how it can really modulate your neurochemistry, but also energetically it's the oil of communication and having like an open throat chakra. So if you're trying to communicate an idea or trying to share something as an entrepreneur, it's an awesome one. Yeah. What's the one that hooked you? Uh, whisper. Was there one? It's called whisper. Okay. It's a What's blend. <laughs> doTERRA blend. It's like a perfume blend. So, um, What's in it? It's like patchouli, sandalwood. I am attracted to the, those exotic smells, but yeah, whisper. It's like if as women, the only thing we did was replace our perfume with essential oil, you'd be so far ahead of the game because perfumes are super disrupting for hormones and um, brain give yeah all sorts of inflammation. So. I literally hold my breath. Yeah, when I when I'm in the cha- like it's yeah. it's mainly in through duty free yeah uh, through the change room. Oh, yeah, whisper. I'm at the change room and I'm just like, oh, people are just spraying just nonsense into the air, and I'm just yeah. like, wow, this is infringing yes. on my on my system, on my hormones, on my balance here. Yeah, so whisper. You something up. Yeah, Jenna gave him this book. So there's an awesome book called The Emotional Healing with Essential Oils. But whisper is a blend of patchouli, bergamot. Bergamot, I should know that, like three years into this business. Sandalwood, rose, jasmine, vetiver, cocoa, and ylang-ylang. So very feminine, lots of flowers in there. Um, Flowers are very hormone balancing for women. I don't think I'm as familiar with that smell. Really? Oh, you know? Do you no, have if, a... you can, if you can bust it oh, out while yeah, we're bust talking. It out. Yeah, please. Yeah, but just, I know you. we kind of went on a tangent there, but bringing it back to like one of my biggest challenges when I was launching my business was that and I recognize this because I came from, I was a naturopath. There's a lot of ego around. You've just invested four years and a ton of money to be an expert in natural health. And then to have, you know, yes, I have my experience and now I'm doing this business, but anyone can do this business. That's a, another beautiful thing about multi-level marketing is that if you are passionate and driven and care about people and know how to be a bit discerning about research and the product, you can kill this business. Like it's amazing. Um, so to have someone that's invested four years and a hundred thousand dollars in school and then have, you know, quote unquote, your, you know, a housewife making six figures a year selling essential oils from her living room and, and helping people with their natural health, well, with their health problems with natural health. Um, yeah, that's not, they don't, a lot of people don't like that. So um, it's it's very um, it's paradigm shattering. Paradigm shattering. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way I could yeah. put it because it is like it's kind of like 
lateral, yep. like horizontal. Mm-hmm. It's like peer to peer supporting mm-hmm. each other. Uh, not only not only with health and these incredible tools, but also financially. Yep. Like it actually hits so many different arenas of our life yep. that it's like, oh wow! So you know we can generate an income. Not only that, but we can like have our house, you know, we can get rid of all these products that we're using and just use pure, clean products. We can even uh, make it ourselves. If we we don't want to make it ourselves, we can order it. Um, But everything that we're using is actually also, what, lab tested like 52 different times Mm -hmm. and sourced by, you know, people who are indigenous uh, and these plants are coming from parts of the world where it's been there for thousands and thousands of years and it's just like the potency, the purity, the, the sustainability, power, the sustainability. Yeah. It's, yeah, um, I get fired up about it too. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, and, and it really just, it kind of, it shines a light on something I'm super passionate about and there's always going to be a place for, for naturopathic doctors, always a place for medical doctors. Like, we need surgery. In some cases, pharmaceuticals are life-saving, but I really feel like we're entering a time where we have to accept that doctor isn't guru. Doctor isn't the be-all and end-all. People need to understand that you can advocate for your own body. You know your body best. If you have an intuitive hit about something, your doctor should be listening to you. You hire your doctor. Like In Canada, we have the social health care system where it seems like you know we, we never see the money exchange, but you hire your doctor, your doctor is Mm -hmm. there to help you and they should be listening to you. And it's kind of confronting to some people who are doctors that, um, people can heal themselves. Like like we can take it into our own hands in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think it's, we're reinventing healthcare through this model. And, um, I think it's a beautiful and necessary thing because what we're doing right now isn't sustainable. And, yeah, I think, you know, doctor in Latin, docere, means teacher. So I think right. we really need to come back to a place of doctor as teacher as opposed to doctor as guru. Can, can you share with us um, a story of somebody who, you know, someone's doTERRA story uh, in terms of like healing and getting benefits from it and having like a breakthrough with it, something, that, whatever comes to mind? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of one lady in particular. So there's so many stories and I think... yeah. Um, that's, that's, was really exciting, but there's one lady in particular. She, um, she found me. So a lot of my, my work come, like I do face to face. I've, I've built a lot online, but the power really comes from face to face. I think as humans, we're craving that connection. We've, there's so much power in having an online business and, and growing online and, and having friends online, but we've kind of maybe skewed too far. So I'm really trying to bring it back into real life connection. That being said, this woman found me on Facebook. I was doing a, a webinar on an oil called Copaiba or Copaiba, depending on how you say it. Copaiba. Copaiba. It comes from Brazil. It's um, from the resin of a beautiful tree in the Amazon rainforest. And it, it targets the endocannabinoid system in the body, which is the same system that CBD oil and, mar- and marijuana target, but totally different plant, totally different mechanism of action. But it was getting a lot of buzz because of its comparisons to CBD. And a lot of people are turning to CBD, especially with the new laws in Canada around marijuana. And a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people are super stressed, have pain, and they're looking for natural solutions because they recognize the limitations of pharmacy and they don't want to be dependent on pharmaceuticals. So she found me via that webinar. And when she told me her story, I was like, okay, 
she had a lot going on. She was, you know, maybe mid sixties, lots of chronic, chronic pain, a lot of deep emotional trauma that was, I think, manifesting as chronic pain and, you know, made a recommendation. I think like deep blue is, is a really common blend from doTERRA for joint pain. I said deep blue and copaiba. Let's just start really simple and, and see, you know, clean up, you know, your basic life with the toxic chemicals and what you're putting on your body. And she said to me, um, you know, this, this pain has, it's been chronic. It's arthritic pain. It's been there for years and years and years. And she said, the pain is still there, but it feels like someone's enveloped me in a warm hug and I can sleep Mm. and, and I feel the pain in my body, but it's not dictating. It's not, it doesn't have control over me anymore. So I think that's really powerful because it's, it's a testament that if you've had these conditions for years and years and years, they're not going to go over way overnight. And like oils aren't a magic bullet, but if you start making small, simple, consistent changes, you feel yourself getting your power back and you feel that it's not overtaking your life. And she was really lonely and just, you could tell that she was seeking something that wasn't available to her in her community. And through tapping into what we're sharing with doTERRA, she feels alive again and she feels a purpose and she feels like she wants to help people as well experience what it feels like to be in control again. So, yeah. I love that. And and my personal experience with Deep Blue, it's just, it's one of the most, yeah, it's deep. It's deep. You yeah. know, you put on your muscles when your muscles are sore and fatigued. It's just, it's immediate. It's just like, wow, that's super powerful. Yeah. Um, you talk a lot about taking your power back. Yeah. Can you share with us what that means to you? And I have a couple more questions. I want to be respectful yeah. of your time and the um, GTA traffic. <laughs> yeah. So again, for most of my life, I felt like I've, I've been in my power in the sense that if I make a decision, I act on it. So, you know, I, I consciously decided to do my PhD and my master's and do all that education, but I was, I still like in retrospect, recognize that I was giving my power away to external validation, shall we say. And I've really woken up the past couple of years, especially in again, my privilege and my conditioning and how, how liberating it is to decondition myself from certain expectations and use my privilege for good. And, um, I shouldn't, I hate to re- use the word control. Cause I, I don't think at the end of the day, you don't want to be like rigid and in control, but yeah, I felt like just by living life on my terms and, you know, if I can go to sleep at night, knowing that, I didn't give into the fear and I didn't let that person's voice. I mean, it can get to you, but not, you know, get, get to me. I'm living in my power and my truth. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I have a couple more questions. These are rapid fire ish questions, but take your time if you need to. Um, what's the essential oil you've gifted the most? I've gifted the most. Um, I actually, I like, I love being really generous and I love gifting oils that I know people wouldn't buy for themselves. Right. And I want them to experience those. So, for example, rose is a very valuable oil. It's grown for doTERRA in Bulgaria in this beautiful area of Bulgaria where they don't even allow cars within a certain square kilometer radius because they don't want pollution to impact the flowers. Oh my but gosh. it takes something like 200,000 rose petals to make a five mil bottle of rose. So you can imagine the sustainability questions there, um, the sourcing problems and the, as a result, it's a very expensive oil. So I love, it smells like heaven. It does. It really like does. it, I, like wh- every time I smell it, 
I'm just like, this must be what heaven smells like. Yeah. And in terms of vibration, I don't know anyone that can walk by a rose flower and not be like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And it's just such That's a right. high vibration. So I love gifting those more rare. It, and, and it's so, 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 so healing yeah. rose at a physical level. It's very powerful for the immune system, for emotional health, and also just for emotional nurturing and energetic support. So I want people to experience that. So I give a lot of rose rollers to people with yeah i love that what's a book that has had a huge impact on your life that no one knows about like it's kind of like under the radar and you want to you, you have an opportunity right now to put a, put a light on it and just yeah. say you guys need to know about this book i know there's a lot of books in the self-help leadership community that a lot of people kind of always fall back on and i don't know if this one is on the top of the list. It might be on some people's lists, but it's called The Anatomy of a Calling by Lisa Rankin, I think her name is. Wow. And it's she's a medical doctor and it's all about, she was um, an OBGYN and it talks about her breakdown moment as an OBGYN when she's working one night and all these babies are dying and she's just, what did I sign up for? She quits being a doctor and moves to the country in California and becomes an artist. And it's her journey back Whoa. to medicine because she knows that it's her calling to be a doctor and it's redefining what being a doctor looks like. It's, it's basically her cracking open to spirituality and you don't have to be a doctor or in medicine to appreciate her journey. Um, it's, it's really powerful. Anatomy. The anatomy of, of a, a calling. calling. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's awesome. That yeah. sounds great. The title alone. Yeah. I was like, Ooh. Oh, and one more. Sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, please bonus. Um, now I can't remember the title. Of course, being mortal. is what it's called. Being mortal by Atul Gawande. That was a book I read right after my dad passed away. And um, it totally, again, solidified my feelings about how we deal with death in the Western world and how death doesn't have to be sad and tragic and devastating. And that book, it just, oh, it's so, everyone I think should read it. Yeah, Being Mortal. Uh, so what's something that's easy for you but unthinkable or impossible to everybody else around you? Hmm. Like you make it look easy and people are like, how the hell did you do that, Laura? <laughs> I'm not sure I can answer that. Again, I do still have this disconnect between like what I do and what other people think is a lot. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that right now. I have to think about it. What's something that you believe uh, that other people think is crazy? Probably <laughs> most of what I think. Um <laughs> So what's something I believe that most people think is crazy? Yeah. Or just others, other people think is crazy. It's so I've really made a conscious effort to surround myself with people like you guys who, um, believe a lot of the same things I believe, but I do think we're still kind of in the minority that this life mm -hmm. that we're living is possible and that it can be abundant and you can live life on your own terms. I don't think a lot of people truly, truly believe that. And I know even though I'm walking it out and I'm living it, the people in my life still look at me like I'm crazy and they're kind of waiting for the, the ball to drop, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. If I was going to meet one of your clients, what would they say about you? Oh, now you're making me uncomfortable because I have to talk about myself. Um, <laughs> Only an no, hour and a half no. of talking about yourself. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think they would say that I listen 
and I make them feel hope. Yeah. Who's Laura 10 years from now? Oh. Laura 10 years from now is still on a journey. I always want to be on some kind of journey. I don't, I, I think there's danger in thinking there's some kind of final destination. Um, cause I've, I've been there where you, you reach the goal that you want to achieve if it's in business or in life or in finance and you're like, Oh, you know, like I, I think that we should always be on a journey to be our best self, but I, I don't know if it came up, but I was fortunate enough. I did manifest my vision of being in Nepal on the mountainside Harvesting wintergreen. I don't know if I, I said that in my head or if I actually said it in the podcast. I'm just like, uh, that sounds like an Instagram story that I've seen of yours. Yeah, so I, I got to do <laughs> like that back in May. And it's something that it. I'm really passionate about um, giving back like that. And also I'm really tapping more into how I can help elevate my local community as well with hope and, you know, finance and, and vision. So I really, in 10 years, hope to have my business at a level of income where my life then becomes about fully serving and, and being all around the world doing it and, and really walking out all of my passions. Yeah. For the, let's say 20 something year old person who's listening to this and they're ready to take a leap towards living life on their own terms, Mm -hmm. taking, you know, taking back their power what would be the first three things that you recommend for them? First, I'd give them props for listening to your podcast because <laughs> as a 20-year-old, I certainly wasn't seeking out this information. Um, I would say keep following people like you who inspire them and who are doing the work and who model what's possible because a lot of people will tell you that it's not possible. And if you're following people and are inspired by people and are learning from people who've done it, Again, you can cut out the noise and just like walk your path and trust it. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would encourage you to do is, is don't make it just about yourself. I think the power of entrepreneurship, you know, I, I kind of first stumbled into it back in 2012. Like it was my first intro into self-development and leadership and, and entrepreneurship. And there was a lot of emphasis on making six figures a year so you can live on the beach. You know what I mean? I know you guys experience that as well. And I think the real power in entrepreneurship is the ability to serve. And that for me, that, that might be doing work with poor people, but for you, maybe it's, it's not, maybe it's doing something with animals. I don't know, but, um, start serving now so you can see where you can, you can feel what it feels like to make that contribution and it will just fuel you. Like I came home from Nepal and I was like, how can I put this to work in my local community? How can I we need to have a bigger purpose in life than just our own finances. And there is a sexy message in entrepreneurship that, Oh, you can be rich and drive this and live on the beach. And if you want to live on the beach, amazing. I also want to live on the beach. (laughs) I also want to wake up every day and go to bed every night, knowing that I'm living out my human journey here. And I think our human journey is to be happy, but also to help each other. So don't make it start right now, not making it about yourself and you'll be tapped into people with the same heart and, Again, it's just all about surrounding yourself with people doing the work. Yeah. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing, I don't know. Um, just just work every... So there's an amazing... A couple of amazing Instagram accounts I follow. One is The Holistic Psychologist. Yeah. I and she does amazing her. work on reparenting yourself, acknowledging um, your conditioning and, and where it might be holding you back. 
And another, there's an amazing podcast I listen to called Unfuck Your Brain, which is, <laughs> which is all about thought work and reprogramming your thoughts. And if you can kind of get out of your own way in terms of um, learning how to have boundaries with your family and love them for who they are, even though they have a different thought or journey or, or conditioning than you do. And you're, you're trying to uncondition yourself and they're very set in, but you have to go to university and you have to become a lawyer and you have to become a doctor. What do you mean you want to go and live on the beach? <laughs> like, um, follow people like that who can really help you take control of your brain. And like, that's, that's the one thing you do have control over in life is your brain and your thoughts and it can make all the difference. Who needs to reach out to you right now? Like, who are the people that are listening that, you know, identify who they are that need to be talking to you, connecting with um, you? I think the people who are listening who need to reach out to me already know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to leave it with them. If you, if you... Deep. Yeah. In an yeah. intuitive mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's how I, that's, I, that's how I act. I, I just know I have to work with that person. I have to you talk to that it. person. Right. I'm always happy to talk to people. You know, I love chatting oils, but if you just want to ask me, like, so tell me more about naturopathic medicine because I actually want to become a naturopathic doctor. Like mm-hmm. message me. I'm happy to meet for coffee and just chat. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, tell us where we can find you. So I mostly hang out on Instagram. So I'm at Dr. Dr. Laura, L-A-U-R-A Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. Um, I'm the same handle on Facebook. I was just talking about LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start hanging out more on LinkedIn just because I feel there's a lot of like-minded people there who I'm not reaching yet. And yeah, mostly Instagram. That's my kind of my happy place where my, I express myself and I love photography and I love sharing videos of my dog and yeah, Instagram is probably the quickest place to reach me. Um, <laughs> I'm blown away so much. Wow. I, I want to thank you for coming onto the show. I want to acknowledge you for like being so courageous in your life and in your career to make the changes that you've made, to take, to make the choices that you've made. Um, I think it takes a special kind of person to release and let go of a tremendous amount of momentum, a tremendous amount of investment and, you know, and look at it and say, this is not actually who I want to become. And I have to make a new choice and, change directions i think that's really bold and i feel like thank you you know for sticking your neck out and actually putting yourself um in the realm of the unknown so that like you're doing the things that you're doing now you know if it wasn't for those decisions would you have entered janet's life and my life uh at the time that you did and would you have affected all the people that you've affected and you know gone to nepal uh in the spring and actually got and actually got to experience your vision if you mm-hmm. weren't that per- if you didn't go through those experiences and, and actually made the choices that you did so I, I acknowledge you and i thank you for you know for your generosity for your incredible you know your experience your wisdom um the layers of uh knowledge that you have especially um with the oils like i know like i've seen you do the presentation actually a number of times and each time i'm just like oh wow okay i gotta remember that i gotta like even today i'm just like oh whisper oh there's there's some other oils for me to to think about so thank you so much for for being on the show thank you for for being you and you know for the role that you're playing in so many of our our lives 
Well, thank you for reflecting that back to me and for the invitation. When you asked me, I was like, me? You want me on your podcast? Okay, cool. Yeah, so fun. Thank you. And, and finally, what's one action item that people can take who are listening to this? Based on the conversation that we've had, what's one thing that they should do or could do? I think just write. So I, I find there's a lot of power in writing. And I'm not a journalist. Like I don't journal, even though I know there's a lot of power in journaling. But putting your thoughts into words on paper is is you're solidifying something in the universe, right? So just write down one thing today that you want in life that you might think you don't deserve or you can't have or it's too hard or too crazy and then just sit with it and ask yourself, <laughs> is it, you know? <laughs> I'm going to leave it yeah. at that. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Laura Hughes, everybody. Hey, it's Oliver. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the show. To support the show, please rate us with five stars and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps the show gain more visibility. And more than that, our guests and their messages get to spread and impact even more people who are just like you. People who are rediscovering themselves, their purpose, what's possible for them, and looking to make a difference in the world. For daily stories, insights, and inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram at Oliver Manalise. And if you heard something from the show that really landed for you, feel free to screenshot it or even screen record the podcast app and share a quote from the show on your newsfeed and be sure to tag me in it. If you're curious about one-on-one coaching and want to set up a complimentary get-to-know-you call, you can go to olivermanalise.com forward slash coaching. This is for you if you're a successful entrepreneur but feel spiritually bankrupt. This is for you if you're looking to unlock your purpose and redefine your business so it aligns with a life that you love. If any of this resonates, I'd be honored to spend time with you and see how I can support you. Go to olivermanalise.com slash coaching and book yourself in for a free get-to-know-you call with me today. For links mentioned today, access to our entire library of episodes, go to olivermanalise.com forward slash show. And that's it for today's episode. We will be back with you very soon. I'm excited to announce that on May 25th to 27th, 2020, I'll be one of the leaders at Matt Pichet's More Than Money Retreat. This is going to be held up north in Huntsville, Ontario. Matt Pichet, in case you didn't know, is the fruitful investor. This man is a true inspiration. He went from being $30,000 in debt about five years ago to now a multimillionaire in net worth from his real estate investments. And he achieved all this with really powerful and well-executed marketing on YouTube and social media, along with his serious black belt level mastery in real estate investing, whether it's buy and holds, multi-units, flips, renos, you name it. The guy seriously blows me away. And uh, a quick backstory, Matt's actually one of my clients, and at the outset of our coaching relationship, he was already killing it. It was really about unlocking him and having him really step into his deeper purpose, which is living an empowered and epic life in more ways beyond just succeeding in business and finances. He, has some, he actually has some really good Instagram posts sharing a lot of these changes and these insights. If you follow him at Matt Pichet, that's M-A-T-P-I-C-H-E. Now you'll see that he takes Mondays off and he calls them more than money Mondays. He built a home spa complete with dry sauna, steam room, totally zen, which I actually got to experience. 
he takes care of himself at a whole new level and you can see it in his freaking eyes he is joyful in more ways than just one so when he asked me to be a part of his more than money retreat i was a total hell yeah guys i i literally saw matt go from feeling like a slave to his business not feeling free even though that's the very reason most of us become entrepreneurs and uh while he was financially doing well, he learned how to really value himself. He realized the type of impact he wanted to make, which is helping people beyond just wealth consciousness, uh, which obviously is, is incredibly important. And he's been sitting with this idea for a long time, and now it's here, the More Than Money Retreat. So guys, the place we got for the experience is incredible. It's a lakeside mansion, lots of open space close to nature, has a freaking movie theater, pool table, fire pit, docks out to the water. I'll make sure to put a link in the description so that you can check out the, the photos for yourself and the information about it as well. I, I remember finding this gem and, and sending it to Matt and we just knew this is the place. So it's not a typical real estate investing uh, business seminar. This is going to be an experience. I'll be guiding you through morning meditations, yoga, a deep transformational process to help conquer your fears and unlock your hidden potential. Matt will be blowing your minds with his marketing sales and wealth wizardry. We have a nutritionist, Brooke Hutch, preparing all your healthy whole foods and teaching us about how to fuel your high performance lifestyle. It's, it's guys, it's going to be awesome. And it's already half sold out with six of the 12 spots already taken so if you resonate with this join us on may 25th to 27th for the more than money retreat the remaining spots are going to be gone soon and uh, i do not want you to miss this so if you're someone who's a high achiever already succeeding yet in other areas of your life you feel like you're collapsing in your health relationships sense of inner peace fulfillment and satisfaction we literally designed this retreat to give you the insights, tools, and aha moments to build a great life that you love. The More Than Money Retreat is happening May 25th to 27th. I'll make sure to put the link in the description. Hit that link to see more information and how to book your spot. And uh, I hope to see you there.